Out of the Pen Podcast. What is up and welcome to the Out of the Pen Podcast where we are always bringing you baseball from a fan's perspective right here on the MTMV Sports Podcast Network. Baseball fans rejoice. It is my team, my voice. Uh, I am your host, Eric Boston. Thank you for joining me. Uh, my my cohort, Andy Ziga, that is normally here, is actually uh, on a Christmas vacation with his family, which is apparently more important than talking about baseball, but whatever, I digress. And here with me, uh, kind of filling in for Andy, is a man who over the past year has well, I mean, he's become a friend, I would say, and we're very excited to have him jumping onto the podcast with us, and that is Luke DiMarzio from New H2O. How you doing, buddy? Hey, how's it going, man? Man, I think we're, we're here with you. Oh, and we are so glad that uh, you were able to jump in. Um, obviously, you know, New H2O uh, kind of focuses in on uh, music. Um, you know, so you got that aspect of your life, but you're also a, a pretty big baseball fan as well. Oh, that's, yeah, for sure. <laughs> baseball fan. Probably like baseball more than I like music, honestly. Awesome, awesome. Well, man, we're definitely going to jump into, um, you know, your fandom and talk about that. Uh, before we do, though, I wanted to just kind of run over some of the stuff that's happened in the past couple of weeks since our last podcast. Obviously, we are still right in the middle of uh, the off-season. The winter meeting's wrapped up, but the hot stove is still burning. And there's been some um, some pretty interesting signings. And on top of that, a kind of a big trade that happened, Luke. And that was between the Dodgers and the Reds. Uh, L.A. sending a, a handful of players Notably, Yasiel Puig, Matt Kemp, and Alex Wood, along with Kyle Farmer, and $7 million to Cincinnati in exchange for Homer Bailey and prospects Josiah Gray and Jeter Downs. Now, Bailey in this deal was essentially uh, just a salary dump. Cause, he was cut. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, L.A. cutting them. Uh, so they were able to get a couple of prospects for – you know, players that have helped them reach the World Series back-to-back years. And the only logical explanation seems to be that they are looking at one thing and one thing in particular, and that is Bryce Harper from where I'm sitting. Well, I've actually heard I've actually heard some mixed uh, ideas around that because they legitimately don't have much pitching. And so I've also seen that they're trying to free up payroll to get a guy like Corey Kluber. Hmm. That'd be very interesting to, uh, if they were able to get Kluber and add him in there with uh, uh, Clayton Kershaw and uh, Walker Bueller. Um, yeah, that'd be a very interesting trio. One that could potentially match up with what the Nationals are doing over there as well. But whenever you're looking at it from a uh, from a Reds point of view, I mean, you you had a, a Reds team that kind of underperformed a little bit in 2018, I would say. Um, but you still have one of the better players in the league in Joey Votto. Now you're adding in, um, you know, two position players in Puig and Kemp and, and adding Alex Wood to that rotation. 
what what do you what's your take on it from a Cincinnati standpoint? Man, I think uh, you can't complain about seeing Puig and Votto in the same lineup, but I think they need to shore up more pitching. I think they just didn't they just sign another pitcher too. So they are shoring up the pitching. I can't remember who the other pitcher was that they got. Um, yeah, they, but, they, they uh, actually made, uh, and now my mind's going to go blank. They got a uh, pitcher from the Nationals, actually, uh, a few oh, weeks yeah, ago. Uh, Tanner Rourke. Yeah, yeah, Rourke. Yeah, and then uh, they got rid of Billy Hamilton, too, so that freed up that room for Kemp, I guess, to play in the outfield. I don't think Kemp's in center fielder anymore, though. Oh no! But yeah, I think I think I think uh, they'll compete. But I think the National League Central is pretty stacked anyway. They're still going to have a hard time getting out of fourth place. Yeah, no, it, and and especially whenever you got you know teams like in Chicago and Milwaukee and St. Louis that have you know are either already pretty well set with talent or have added to it. Um, you know, right. case with the Cardinals adding yeah. in Goldschmidt. I mean, yeah, it's it's a tough it's a tough division, that's for sure. Um, yeah, they're they're not going to do better in fourth place, I don't think. I, I mean, it'll be between them and the Pirates there for fourth and fifth. I don't know. Yeah, it's going to be difficult. Um, I don't know. I mean, I, I could see, I could see the Dodgers. You know, like you said, maybe looking somewhere else, maybe looking to add some pitching. Um, but man, I mean, one's got to think that. Uh, Magic Johnson and company are going to be wanting to land that big stud in uh, Bryce Harper. And this move does pull them back under that luxury tax to where they could make that kind of deal and it not be sure. a huge impact, you know, financially. Because we we all know that the Dodgers they have the money to offer that big contract. It's just a matter of what right. are they willing to pay in, ta- in in penalties, basically, to do it. Yeah, I saw a, uh, uh, the other day John Heyman. Um, he uh, his speculation is that it's between the Cubs and the Dodgers for for Bryce Harper. And after after the Dodgers made this move, right now it feels like they're the clear uh, bet for it. Um, but and and the Cubs could make a similar move, you know, move Jason Hayward or something, and and end up in the same boat. Um, I don't know. I don't know. It, it was on MLB Network. I'm not sure if you saw that. Uh, I didn't see that, but it, it makes sense. I mean, the Cubs were indeed a team that has been linked to Harper for a while, so it wouldn't be surprising right. to me. And obviously, you know, Wrigley Field offers a lot of advantages for someone with power, and that he, right. you know, that's something that Harper definitely has. Uh, we're going to talk more about those Cubs because, I mean, that's, that's your team. I know, I know. <laughs> yeah. So we're definitely going to be talking some more Cubs here shortly, um, I wanted to just kind of run run through a couple more of these transactions that have taken place, Luke. Um, kind of starting out in Oakland, where um, over the past couple of weeks they've added both Joaquin Soria and Mike Fears, um, basically on very similar deals. Um, both of them getting two years. Uh, Soria got fifteen million. Fears got fourteen. Um, to me, it kind of almost feels like Oakland is almost following that that blueprint that Kansas City had for success back in fourteen and fifteen, where you're you know trying to get that shutdown bullpen uh, that can shorten the game for your starters. You know, maybe you're maybe you don't have that true number one ace, um, right? 
But as long as you got guys that can get you a couple times through the lineup, uh, you let the bullpen take care of you. And they also made a trade for Jerks and Profar, so that adds some right. speed to that lineup. Uh, to me, it, to me, I just really, as a Royals fan, I see you know the Royals in what Oakland's doing. And obviously, they were a team that was right in that mix in the AL West throughout 2018, maybe even a little surprisingly. Um, what are your thoughts on what Oakland has been doing these past couple of weeks? Dude, I think I, I'm right there with you. I, I'm seeing them. They're, they do have – I mean, I think they created this blueprint that the Royals might have followed 14-15. But, yeah, I, I can see them um, – I can see them going that way. What I see here is that they're – just getting strike throwers because they can put anyone on that mound with that defense that they have. And that, I think that's the main thing. Like, Profar, he's, he's maybe just going to hit his weight, you know. But, I mean, he can he can pick it. And then, you know, with the corners they have and the type of defense that that team has, I feel like uh, that that's what they're that's what they're leaning on. You know, they, they've got, like, one of the best defenses in the league. Certainly. And, uh, and, so and we've seen got it. strike throwers in there. Yeah, as long as you got strike throwers in there, you're you're gonna do all right. And I think that's what they did this last year. Um, yeah. And so they're just they're just compounding on top of that. Well, and I I'm a huge Soria fan because obviously he spent a lot of time in Kansas City. And here's one thing that I thought was uh, pretty interesting from what he did last year. Uh, you know, he he split the year between the White Sox and the Brewers. Um, he threw. 60 and two-thirds innings, a 3.12 ERA. Uh, you know, not not bad there, not bad at all. But the one thing that really stood out is Soria actually had allowed the uh, lowest exit velocity in all of the majors last year. And whenever you're talking about playing half your games at the Coliseum, I mean, uh, you know, that, that that is a big place where if you're not hitting the ball hard, you're not hitting it out. Right. So I think I think that's going to be a, a good addition there in that bullpen for the Athletics. Um, let, let's talk about the team there there where you're at for St. Luke. Let's talk about the, the Rockies. Um, All right. They were able to sign Daniel Murphy to a two-year, twenty-four million dollar deal, and you know DJ LeMahieu is a free agent. You know he's he's been the guy who's been holding down second base. Um, so the question becomes is Daniel Murphy going to take over second base? Because if you look at their depth chart online, they actually have him listed as their first baseman right now. So I think that probably the hopes is they'll be able to get LeMahieu back would be my assumption. Uh, and then you've got, you know, a really solid infield group there in Colorado, if that is the case. But regardless, you, you're going to yeah, see well, Murphy at first or second, one of those two spots. I think you're going to see Murphy at first over second. He doesn't he had that uh, he had that knee surgery last year. He already had really bad uh, uh, range before that, and after he had that microfracture surgery in his right knee, he's been like really, like pretty much might as well just stand straight up and down when the yeah. ball comes at him. He has no range at all, so he probably fit better at first base. I'm not really sure what Lemayhew's gonna do. I, I can't see him going. I think he's gonna ask for some more money than the Rockies are willing to pay him. Um, but Murphy, he can he can rake, and I think he's going to hit really well at course. It's just going to be figuring out uh, how he fits in that lineup and in that defense. Um, he's not 
he's not the Murphy that can be at the top of the lineup anymore, I don't think. And it, so a lot of people kind of like this feel for the Rockies around here. I also hear some, some skeptics. It feels a lot like Ian Desmond all over again. Uh, we'll just see how it all shakes out. I, I think Murphy's a better hitter than Desmond, but um, it, it, I, I think he's trending down in his career. Yeah. So well, it's kind of interesting. His, his defense is absolutely terrible. Yeah, you hit so, it on the head there. His, his defense really isn't. Yeah, his defense isn't what you want, but he still is producing offensively. So I think you know for right. the deal that they got him at, it's not a you know it's not a bad look by any means. Um, you brought up yeah. uh, Ian Desmond. Uh, the assumption is that he's going back into the outfield now um, to make way for Murphy there at first base. Uh, any thoughts Desmond on still that? Only hits like, Desmond still only hits like 130 or something, though, so it's still as painful having him in your lineup. Right. <laughs> but with that, with his contract, you kind of got to, I guess. Right, um, right. And then, you know, just want to touch on this. Today, the Twins signed Nelson Cruz uh, to a one-year deal uh, for $14 million, and he's going to you know, kind of partner with C.J. Cron, who uh, the Twins got earlier in the offseason, to add, you know, some pretty serious right-handed power in that lineup. And in a week, uh, AL Central, you know, speaking from, like, a Royals fan, you know, that that makes me a little bit nervous. You get those guys, and if Sano is healthy in 2019, um, that's a lot of thump in the middle of that lineup for sure. So, um, let's talk. Let's talk about Manny Machado, Luke. He announced that he's probably not making any decisions until after the new year. He kind of has gone on a um, on a free agency tour. Uh-huh. The, the, my question is: Do you think that he is trying to wait out Bryce Harper, or do you think that we're going to see Machado sign before Harper does? I don't know. I, I can see them both wait pretty late. I don't see I don't see spring training breaking before they're signed though. So I mean, still have a clock on it. I I, I think they're both going to end up with new teams. They're not going to stay with teams they're familiar with. And uh, yeah, we'll just see. Uh, it, it's probably best to get that ready before spring training, so then they can get used to their new digs. I don't know. I, he he could be waiting for Harper, like just because. Either or, you know, whoever goes first is going to set the market, right? Right. So, yeah, it's, it's kind of an interesting scenario there. I don't know. Where do you think that Machado's going to end up with? Who do you think? Who do you think? I haven't, even, I haven't been paying attention to Machado, honestly. I, I, it's not that I don't like him. I just I don't see him as a fit for the Cubs at all. So right. I haven't really thought about where he's going to land. Well, so, so me and Andy talked about, we, we've talked about this as the offseason has gone on. And, I mean, I think when you look at what we're seeing and as far as fit, um, you know, the, the Phillies are definitely in that mix when it comes to Machado. I think they're probably uh, more of a probability for him than they are for Harper. Um, I'm going to say this, you know, I, I'm still sticking with I would love to see him go and sign with the Brewers. I really wanted them to trade for him at last season's uh, trade deadline before he ended up in L.A. I, I just think him and that lineup makes sense. And obviously the, the Brewers, man, they're they're a team that's right there from a competitive standpoint. 
So if you're Machado, man, why? I mean, I know people probably aren't clamoring to go to Milwaukee, but if you got a chance to win a title, why not? I don't think the Brewers have the money to pay him, though. They've spent so much money these last few off-seasons just to get, you know, uh, Yelich and Kane and, you know, I, whoever else. I mean, I, I don't think they've I don't think they got the money for a guy with Machado. But that, that, that's really interesting, though. And you mentioned the Phillies. Um, they just went and got Gene Segura, though. Right. And so that feels a little, yeah, counterintuitive to what they were trying to do there. It's not like Segura's like replacement level unless they like just flip him, get Machado. I can't see that happening. Well, it's it, really it, interesting. Yeah, if, if he goes if he goes to Philadelphia, he's going to be going there, being willing to play third base. I think, um, which I mean, he uh, he has said that he's willing to go back to third base, you know, for the right fit. Um, right. And you know the Phillies, they're they're a young, talented team, man. And like you said, they've added. Some guys this offseason, Segura and Cutchin, that makes them a very interesting lineup. Right, right. Um, let me let me ask let me turn it around on you there, Luke. Let me ask you if you had to pick uh, landing spots for Harper and Machado, where are you put placing your bets? Oh man, uh, it's really tough. Like. I don't know. I, it's really, like I said, I haven't really been paying attention to Machado at all, so I don't know what makes sense for him. I mean, he, he could end up, uh, I think he, he might end up with the Yankees. I don't know. That might be a thing. Yeah. Um, he seems like a, he seems kind of like a Yankee to me. I don't know. Well, and, when you uh, when you factor in the, the injury to Didi Gregorius as well. Um, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. they could put Torres over at second and they'd be set. Definitely. Um, and then... Uh, I, I like I like the idea of Harper on the Cubs. I think I'm gonna stick with that. I put my money Harper on the Cubs. Okay. All right. All right. I know uh, uh, around here in um, in Missouri, especially Southwest Missouri, where we're at, you got a lot of Cardinals fans that are calling for St. Louis to open up that wallet and bring Harper in here. I'm not sure how that fits, but man, that's I see that a lot right now. Well, St. Louis just got Goldschmidt, though. That that was a big move. Right. And uh, we, had, we hadn't talked about that. Um, I'm not sure that that really puts them over the hump. You know, I think they, they got a lot of um, stuff they got to fix with um, their their pitching and whatnot. I think they, they just they just shorted up their bullpen a little bit, a, a little bit too. But um, they, they made some interesting moves. Like you said, yeah, that National League Central, those top three teams are – are all right neck and neck, I think. Definitely, definitely. Um, so it's, it, it's you know, obviously we're a couple of days out from Christmas there, Luke. And, um, you know, at this time of year, everyone likes to hear those feel-good stories. And, and one that came out on Christmas Day was Royals first-round pick Brady Singer, uh, who was, you know, first-round pick uh, back in the summer. Uh, pitched for you know national champion Florida team. Um, he surprised his parents by paying off all of their debt, every bit of it. Um, and you know that that video was making the rounds, you know everywhere. Sports Illustrated, fan site, ESPN. Um, one, I mean, I just wanted to bring it up because it's one of those things that's it's a feel good story, obviously, but also as a Royals fan. Um, you know, one of the big things that Dayton Moore and company do up there at Kaufman is 
you know, they look at people's character and they want high character people. You know, that's something that they stress. And this is just an example of, of I think, those um, preferences, you know, those character traits that they're looking for. It makes me, you know, just kind of proud as a Royals fan to be able to, to see that kind of stuff. But um, and, and it makes it easier to root for a kid like this. You know, I mean, obviously expectations are high, but he seems he seems humble. At the same time, um, so w- w- did you happen to see that video? Oh, I totally did. I was really confused though because last Christmas, Taven Smith from the Diamondbacks, he did the exact same thing, and so I thought it was the same video from last year. Gotcha. <laughs> so I wasn't like I think I texted you about it. Actually, I was like, wait, I think I've seen that before, and no, it's just someone different. It's really cool. Like that's the thing. Like you know, there's every kid. You know, when you're Growing up playing baseball, you imagine yourself, you know, down, you know, you're down, what, three, and you got bases loaded, two outs, bottom of the ninth, and you hit a dinger, you know, that's your, that's like your fantasy when you're a kid. But also, probably, you know, as you get older, you're like, man, I'm going to get famous, I'm going to pay off all my parents' debt. That's probably another thing that's up there on the bucket list for some of these guys, so it's really cool to see that actually happen in real life, you know? Oh, yeah, for sure, for sure. Um yeah, man. I mean, you know, those are the I think some of the good stories that come out of MLB and you know, like ba- you know, baseball's that you know America's pastime. It's those, it's that sport that like bonds families really. You know, you got you know, fathers and sons and, and that whole um, layout there, and you see it played out in these events, man. It's just you know, makes me wonder how people can't be a baseball fan really. So, guys, if you haven't checked out um, our website, head on over to www.outofthepinbaseball.com. And on there you can find all of our previous podcasts. You can find articles. And it's all written from a fan's perspective, guys. But just do me a favor when you go on there. If you'll throw your email into that subscribe link, um, you know, it's going to send you all of our content right to your inbox as it comes out. Uh, so we would love for you to follow us, support us, and, you know, just get involved. Get in the comments. Let us know what you think about stories that are going on. Let us know, you know, your reaction to what we're saying, you know, not only on the podcast, but in those articles that are on there as well, because we'd love to interact with you. It's really a site that's built for us, the fans. Um, so jump on there, outofthepinbaseball.com, and follow us on Twitter, at OTP Baseball. That's OTP Baseball uh, on Twitter. All right, Luke, man, let's uh, let's jump into you, man. So obviously, uh, you know, you work there with New Age Joe. T- tell us a little bit just about that. Like, what's you know, one, where can people follow you? Where can they find you? And, and what's it like working for New Age Two O? Oh, New Age Two O is just a uh, really fun. It's like a little group of people. You know, we just all really like um, independent underground Christian hip hop and so that's kind of our bent we like to find all of these guys that we can hype up and bring and you know cast some light on a little bit better um, than they probably would get from another website it's not that we don't cover the big names but for the most part I like to you know dig in the weeds a little bit and find some uh, some really good gems there that we can uh 
we can help elevate and help. And I, I'm just there. I, I just do it because I like people, and it, it's honestly like a ministry for me. So I've been doing that for like just over a year now. I got linked up with uh, Davis Absolute, and um, he's like he's the owner of the of the website, and um, it's been it's been really fun. Um, so you can, if you want more information, you can go to newh2o.com. You can go there. I do a lot of reviews. I did over 60 reviews in this last year. And um, you can follow me on Twitter at Luke DiMarzio um, on Twitter. It's just L-U-C DiMarzio, D-I-M-A-R-C-I-O on Twitter. Awesome, awesome. Make sure you go follow Luke. So, Matt, how how did you end up becoming a Cubs fan? I grew up in Illinois. I was kind of brainwashed um, growing up. My dad grew up in Chicago, moved to southern Illinois a little later in you know, in his childhood and just kind of stayed with him. And so that's the thing, like, I, that's the only team I'm loyal to Illinois for, I guess. Is, as I got older, I got tired of watching the team that lost all the time. And so I became a Niners fan. I became a Duke Blue Devils fan, you know, stuff like that. So, um, yeah, I guess I just got brainwashed as a kid. And that's like the one priority for sports is you're, you're a Cubs fan first. And so... Yeah, and I mean, I, I went to a Cubs game probably every year from the time I was five until, you know, I was 18. I probably, even since I was, I've lived out here in Colorado, we go to the Cubs series, like, every time they're out here. Awesome. So I haven't really missed a Cubs series. Even uh, even the year that I got married, we got back um, on the Sunday. Uh, we got back from our honeymoon on the Sunday of the Cubs series. It was the last game that year. I drove straight from the airport to the game. <laughs> there you go. Well, hopefully, you t- hopefully you took your new wife with you as well. No, actually, she, she was <laughs> home when I took my first Steve, actually, yeah. Oh, wow. <laughs> all right, all right. So, I mean, yeah. you know, Cubs fans, Royals fans, you know, I think we can appreciate each other there. We both had, you know, maybe some rough history for a while. Um, and then, you know, have been able to experience, um, you know, the ultimate high yeah. within baseball here yeah. in the last few years. Uh, I mean, how, how was that seeing, you know, those young guys come up and um, win that title for you guys? Well, okay, first off, you said, uh, yeah, Royals and Cubs um, all have a lot in common. I think we all love Ben Zobrist. That's the, that's the first thing I thought of right there. Man, I love and, Zobrist. Um, yeah, uh, watching this young core come up like this, you know, they didn't start getting called up until 2014. I think 2014 was when Baez was called up the first time, and then everybody else followed in 15. And so for them to win in 16, <laughs> It was a little early in their window, I think. I don't think they – I think they just caught lightning in a bottle. They were really good all that season, and then they just were able to carry it throughout the postseason, I think. So it's kind of crazy because watching them all put it together like that, man, it was an awesome, incredible run, especially in 15, watching them take out the Cardinals the way they did. That was really fun. And then carrying all of that over into 16 and actually doing it, man – uh, it was absolutely tremendous, and I got to go there. I got to go to Wrigley um, for games three through five in 2016, and you know I didn't go. I didn't get a sit in a game. I uh, we were at, I was at Vines on Clark right across the street.
actually from the marquee. Okay. And uh, I watched I watched the games there. That was really fun. Um, can't even explain it. Like I just hope they they do it again before I die. Now that's <laughs> I, I, I think I'm kind of greedy. Right. So, you know, there's all this. We we're always you know one before I die. Well, now come on, let's let's do one more. Especially with this group of this group of young players. I think this last year there was a lot of injury and there was just. Yeah, a lot of things that went against them. Um, they still have those same players that took them to twenty, took them to the World Series championship. So uh, I'd love to see them do it again. Maybe in the next three, four years, we could do it again, and it would be awesome. Well, I, I, and I think that uh, you know, obviously, that talent is still there, uh, certainly. And but like we said earlier, you got a, a, a tough division there in the National League Central. Especially with you know the Brewers coming on and St. Louis always finds a way to be in the mix. Um, one thing that was kind of interesting for the Cubs was at the beginning of the off season, they were they kind of came out and said, "Hey, we're willing to talk trades," and it kind of made it sound like there was no one really on the roster that was untouchable. Um, but then you know, and, and I can kind of equate this to another thing that I saw happen with Kansas City. But from your perspective. Um, you know, there, since they said that, there hasn't really been a whole lot of movement uh, from the Cubs' standpoint. Like, like, what'd you think of them coming out and saying that? You know, how how did that you know sound to a fan? Oh, to me, it just means they're trying to get better. I mean, it's not like they're going to accept trades for anyone. It's just that they're going to talk and listen about trades for anyone. So, like, are they really going to trade Anthony Rizzo? No, but I mean, if someone offered like two Ronald. Cunha's for Anthony Rizzo, they'd probably like they'd probably take that. You know what I'm saying? Like, if someone just makes some outlandish trade for Chris Bryant or Anthony Rizzo, yeah, they're they're not untouchable. You know, that's the way I that's the way I looked at it. Like, hey, make a crazy offer and maybe we'll accept it for these guys. But you gotta it's got to be something that's of worth. You're not just gonna trade you know some rando like third string dude for some stud. You know, right? So. That's, I, I just saw that as Theo saying, hey, we, we're in this to get better. If we're not getting better, then we're losing. So um, make a, make an offer. And I mean, obviously no one's made an offer they can't refuse, and that's why you haven't seen much movement. I really think that they there will be more movement in this next month. Like I said, I alluded to earlier, if they're really going to be serious about getting Harper, they're going to have to move Jason Hayward. And not because Hayward's been terrible at all. Like his I think his worst season with the Cubs so far is like a 1.4 war. And that's actually not that horrible, but um, uh, I think it's his contract. He's still like owed like $100 million over the next five years. So yeah. I think they need to move him before they get a guy like Harper. Yeah, it's. I mean, yeah, that, that Hayward contract is is huge. And not only that, you have a lot of guys, a lot of those young guys that are going to be coming up for their own contracts pretty soon as well. Right. So it's, but yeah, I mean, they, I mean, because I can't, I can't see them disbanding, you know. So like when, uh, when Brian's contract comes up, that's one thing. But it's going to be Brian and Baez and Schwarber and Hendricks and Rizzo and Contreras. You know, like everyone's going to be up at the same time. You're going to want to keep some of those guys. Right. Right. Yeah. And I mean, now the one thing that. You know, probably is a little comforting is that Epstein seems to know 
how to handle those situations. You know, he went through it in Boston and, and obviously he's had success in Chicago. So he's one guy that I think if I was in your shoes, I would feel comfortable, you know, with him making those decisions about what's going to be best for that roster to stay competitive long term. Now, one thing that they're going to have to figure—oh, go ahead, go ahead. No, you're good. Keep talking. I was just saying one th- one thing that they're going to have to figure out is uh, the the manager spot. So you got Joe Madden, who's on the last year of his contract, and at this point, it's not necessarily looking like it's a lock for him to return uh, in 2020. It's crazy to think that, though, man. If you if you would tell anyone that they could get a manager for five seasons and the least amount of wins that that guy would have in any of those seasons would be, what, 95 wins? And then you say after those five seasons, he wasn't good enough and so let's get rid of him? Like, what? <laughs> <laughs> like, it's kind of crazy. Like, And so, um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see what happens with that. I'd love it if, if, if they do get rid of Madden. Um, if they just bring someone up from inside the system, I feel like that feels the best to me. Yeah. Um, there's there's a lot in that coaching core that have been around the Cubs for a long time. And it, it's funny because you see all these this changeover in the Cubs staff this last year. But a lot of that is people that, like, they went and got um, uh, Ia Pose from the Rangers, but he was he's their new pitching coach. And uh, he came up with all of these, Cubs pitchers who in their in their minor leagues, and then he went away as the Rangers for a year, and so he's just back, you know, with the same core. You see that with uh, with Tommy Hitavi too, and he's going to be their new uh, hitting coach. He came up with all these players. You know, I, I like it. I like this moving from within. So if they do, they do move on from Madden. There's some method to the madness, I think. But I think it's kind of preposterous to think that they wouldn't consider him. Uh, moving forward, they just want to see how this year shakes out. Yeah, I, I think you know whenever you're looking at that situation, it's not really um, anything to do with the results on the field. It sounds like there's maybe something there in that relationship between Madden and the front office that's causing that to play out the way it is so far. Right, right. I think um, Madden's pretty hands-off as far as how he runs a team. And um, he, he's talked about this offseason. He's had a couple of uh, press conferences. He's talked about how he's going to change his mentality a little bit around that. And so he actually uh, talked about, he's been reading through the book, um, Manage, Managing Millennials for Dummies, <laughs> and uh, talking about how he's going to be a little more uh, hands-on with these guys. And, and, you know, early on when these guys were coming up, you know, 2014, 2015, he was – he was a lot more verbal uh, face-to-face with all of them. But then, you know, after a while, you just got to let them, they're professionals, you got to let them just do the thing. And uh, so, and that's, that's Madden's um, his best thing. He's not a great game manager. And honestly, I don't think, you know, 95% of the league is a great game manager. It's more about a personality manager. Right. And that's why people want to play for Joe Madden, because he lets people be themselves. And, uh, and he lets the... The, he lets the dugout police itself. He lets uh, personalities shine through, um, and he's not really like a hard nose. Like let's just let baseball be baseball. He's just like let's just let these athletes be athletes. And so that's that's kind of a good thing and a bad thing though, because then if stuff gets out of hand, you know, you got uh, 
bad losing streaks, whatever. He he doesn't ever really get on the guys. He just lets them figure it out on their own. And sometimes, you know, some managers would probably want to go and get him riled up a little bit. And uh, he's not going to be that guy. Okay, awesome. So, as a fan, what what do you think? Like, kind of walk me through just how you feel this offseason has gone. Obviously, you know, the Cubs, they're a team that hasn't really done a ton in the offseason. I mean, just where do you feel? Are you feeling like they're not doing enough, or are they fine and, and what they're doing just makes sense for the way the roster is constructed? Uh, a little bit of both. I probably actually, if, if I were to give it a grade, I would give it like maybe a C, a C minus. Um, and it's not because I don't feel like they're doing enough. Like, as you've seen the last few years, the free agency has moved really slowly, and so that's that's whatever. But I think the big the big thing that people will remember about this off season, if nothing else changes, will be that they tendered Addison Russell a contract, and it seems really confusing there. Um, and that's one just glaring thing that I'm just like they just gotta figure that out. Like I, I was ready for them to just get rid of him. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know if you know about that situation, but, you know, there's a lot of d- domestic abuse stuff around uh, his story and his character. And, right. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm a person, I, I believe in grace, I believe in second chances, um, and so I believe that he can be a better person and he can turn this around, but I think I would just rather see him do that on, on another team. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And so that's what I, I just, I just uh, and um, so then the other thing, so the only other player things that were of any note, they re-signed Cole Hamels, which I think was smart, but now they have like six starting pitchers. But we'll just see how that shakes out. I think they're just making sure they have some insurance moving forward. And then uh, they signed Daniel Descalso, who he can pretty much play anywhere, and he's got some pop in his bat. So I don't mind that. I don't mind that signing either. But they're not these big big deals that you know we're hoping that we're used to the Cubs doing but yeah there's not a there's not a lot of room there they got a lot of studs in this lineup or at least people that are uh projected to be studs that maybe they're just hanging on to a little too long um and I I'd love it if they shook some stuff up but who knows if other teams will bite because they're gonna have to trade some of these guys it's not like they can just restructure without you know trading so right I'd love. Uh, they need to get some more uh, bullpen strength, um, and so we'll just see what happens with that. I, I would. I would love them get a, a couple, a couple more lefties in the bullpen, um, and maybe, uh, yeah, just just some more people besides Brandon Morrow down there. Definitely, definitely. So, if there is one thing, I mean, I know we're you know, like I said, a couple of days past Christmas, so. Santa's maybe not necessarily involved, but if there was one thing that you could have went back and asked him for as a Christmas gift to you as a Cubs fan, what would that one thing be? What would you like to see them do between now and the start of spring training? Oh, man. I would love to see Bryce Harper in the Cubs jersey. I think that would be amazing. But I think it's there's a lot of stuff that's got to happen for that. So there's a lot of stuff that's got to move before that happens. Okay. So... Yeah, I mean, you know, from his from his roots in Vegas, growing up with Chris Bryant, to naming his dog Wrigley, to you know, just yeah, just the idea of him just raking 
raking at Wrigley and playing <laughs> right field there. It just seems, it just seems, uh, it would just be too good to be true. I guess I, I, I can't believe I won't believe it till I see it. But it'd be really cool to see that happen. Awesome, awesome. So before we wrap it up there, Luke, uh, why don't you share with us just a couple of your most memorable moments as a Cubs fan? I mean, here at Out of the Pen Baseball, we are all about baseball being from a fan's perspective. So we'd love to hear those stories. You know, what made you, uh, you know, really fall in love with them? You know, what's some of the things that whenever you think about the Cubs, it just that's the memories that your mind automatically goes to. Man, I... I think when I was little, we would go, like I said, we'd go to Wrigley all the time. Uh, it was really funny because I lived in Mount Vernon, Illinois, and that's like, you know, 45 minutes, an hour outside of St. Louis. And we would go to Cubs-Cardinals series all the time. And uh, my dad worked for Boatman's Bank, who were part owners of the Cardinals at the time. And so we got to go on the field. But So I met all these Cardinals players, but I was wearing Cubs stuff the whole time. And, it, again, it's that brainwashing thing. But um, it was it's always fun. So those are some good mem- moments there at uh, Bush Stadium. Um, but uh, one one huge moment in my life. I remember calling in. I think I got an excused absence or something from school in the year 2000. I was uh, I was a junior in high school at this time, and uh, me and my dad and my uh, godfather and his son we all went up to Wrigley we saw the Cubs play the Brewers uh in an afternoon game it was a stupid game I think the Brewers ended up winning like 13 to 12 and there was a whole bunch of horrible defensive misplays but uh if you're familiar with any of like the longest home runs hit in major league history Glenn Allen Hill hit a uh, home run on top of uh, one of the rooftops across like down the left field line in this game and it was at the time on ESPN when we got home that day they had said it was over 600 feet I think they've kind of tempered that a little bit (laughs) but I just remember it being a 600 foot home run oh yeah it was seriously like he he killed it Glenn Allen Hill just absolutely murdered that ball I remember that um and then more recently in 2015 me and my wife for our uh, fifth anniversary we went um we went and saw, actually, since we live in Colorado, it was really funny. We went and saw the Rockies play the Cubs at Wrigley. And uh, we saw Chris Bryant hit a walk-off home run to win it. But uh, more importantly, probably, that was also Troy Tulewiski's last Rockies game. Um, he got oh, wow. traded. When we got back to our hotel room that night, I got the, I saw the, you know, on the notifications on my phone that two have been traded for Jose Reyes um, that night, like right after the game. And so it was pretty crazy. So it was crazy to watch a walk-off home run at Wrigley, but also to know that was Tulo's last game. And probably, like, his last his last game for probably some of the best baseball he played right. up to that point. So Yeah, we were talking about um, Tulo on the last show. Um, you know, we, we, we were all kind of feeling a little bit bad, you know, with him being released and everything. So we're definitely hoping that he gets a, you know, a chance to catch on, hopefully with a contender, and be um, productive for them this season. Right, right. Yeah, that's good. Uh, and then I kind of talked about it earlier, but um, I, I was able to be in Chicago for games three through five of the World Series in 2016, and those are some memories that, uh, yeah, this is some stuff I won't forget. It was awesome. It was, you know, they, they were reporting there was like 600,000 
extra people just roaming the streets and like Wrigleyville during that series. And uh, I just felt like I was there with like 600,000 of my best friends. It was pretty crazy though that like like getting in line at 6 a.m. for a 7 p.m. Uh, first pitch um, was was insane. So, <laughs> but it was <laughs> it was a lot of fun. Awesome, awesome. Well, thanks for sharing those stories with us there, Luke. And Luke is joining us here on the Out of the Pin podcast via the My Team, My Voice Sports phone line. So we appreciate him you know, being able to call in and spend some time with us talking baseball today. Uh, Luke, man, those stories are awesome. That's what being a baseball fan is really just all about. And we are just so happy that you were able to step in, kind of fill in for Andy today, and, and share those memories with us, man. Really appreciate it. All right, thanks. Awesome. We hope to maybe maybe get you back on in the not-too-distant future as well if we can work that out. Sounds good. Awesome, awesome. Well, guys, thank you for joining us uh, for this episode of the Out of the Pin Podcast. Thank you for starting your weekend off with us. Um, head over to outofthepinbaseball.com and, and leave us some comments. What did you like about the about this episode? You know, what what – do you think on some of these, you know, trades and signings that have happened? You know, what what do you see? How do you see them impacting 2019? Let us know. Get in the conversation. Hit us up on Twitter. Find us on Facebook. Join the the, the Facebook group as well and get the discussion going there. Um, but more than anything, man, just just come in and let your voice be heard because we are all about the fans and we want you to be able to express what you need to say right here with Out of Pin Baseball. Um, as always, find us on the MTMB Sports Podcast Network. We greatly appreciate them. And we will see you in a couple weeks, guys. You have a good one. Baseball fans rejoice. It's my team, my voice. For the most baseball coverage on MTMV Sports, tune into the Out of the Pin podcast every other Friday night. Join me, Eric Boston, and the rest of the Out of the Pin baseball team as we bring you interviews, discussions, and the latest happenings from around the baseball world. It's the Out of the Pin podcast. Check out our website at outofthepinbaseball.com where you always get baseball from a fan's perspective. Want to stay up to date with Yankees baseball? Listen to Bronx Bombers Beat with me, Nate Shelton, every Monday, right here on MTMV. Sports fans rejoice. My team, my voice.